the one thing that really stood out for me is diversity at the table. For me, it's not about what's happening in the now, it's about what's happening in the actual world right now that we can contribute and create change rather than, you know, in our community or even though we can create these small increments of, you know, change, but how is that impacting on a global scale? Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Kira Marie. And where are you right now? I'm on the Sunshine Coast. And is it sunshine? It's been raining here the last few uh, few days, probably for the week, but it's uh, sun's come out this morning and I live like literally next to the beach, so I get to hear the ocean every morning. <laughs> That's why you're looking beautiful and brown. We too live right near the water, so oh, it's not far down there. But my husband, he uh, decided that he wanted to break his ankle and the, the ligament to come off the bone a little bit there. So oh. last night, it was a bit of an adventure. I took him out in my son's wheelchair down the steep hill and then into <laughs> and uh, and the old wheelchair just wanted to veer off one side. But we had fun. It was a bit of an adventure, <laughs> but we did it. And uh, I'm not sure that I'll be doing that on a daily basis, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to the decision table. You know, I decided that I had, oh, look, Nikhil's got to be here. Two beach bunnies. There we go. Yes. I've always thought of myself as a bunny. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beach bunnies. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, distracted. Welcome to the decision table. Like literally last year, I kept hearing this comment at the end of the year, you know, 2020s, really challenging year. I can't wait for 21 to happen. And it kind of got into my brain going, so many people just thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to wake up and it's going to be a beautiful new year, right? And nothing would actually change because they weren't going to do anything different. They were just going, new year, it's going to be different, right? And I thought, well, how can I make sure that I'm not one of those people, right, that think, oh, it's going to be a different year? Because I didn't really enjoy a lot of 2020. There was amazing things that did happen in 2020, but there were some things I don't want to repeat. So one of the things I thought was, hey, let's have a conversation every day in January on the decision table and one of the lenses that I want to use as a theme this year is really seeing humanity and for me that means seeing humanity as stakeholders at the decision table and part of that for me if I break that down even further is to actually look at what I believe is the need for a new approach to leadership. And so that's what these conversations really very casual, as you saw even before we came on, extremely casual. <laughs> and, you know, really just having a conversation with different people every day so that 
I can start looking through different lenses. We become more aware when we do things like this and we get different perspectives of what that may look like or need to look like. When you hear the need for a new approach, what does that bring up inside of you straight away? Um, look, 2020 was an entire year of a need of a different approach and I think for me of a a different approach to me what that means is adaptability and flexibility so whether that be someone requiring new resources or changing the way that they approach things whether that be with their thinking or as a skill set I think for me for that specifically, it's all about adaptability and changing the way you look at things to look at things from different perspectives just rather than from the one space that you've been looking at it for the whole year, let's say. Yeah. Thank you, Vinka, for joining us all the way from Germany, I think it is. I'm going to find out. I think she's coming on, might be even tomorrow. So I will get to know exactly where she is in the world. Yeah. Look, I think adaptability, let's talk about that a little bit more. What does that look like for you or has looked like for you in your own world? Yep. The way that I see it is that adaptability can be where someone approaches an obstacle and a challenge and asking themselves how can they do this differently or can they achieve the result in a different way and really being connected with yourself and how you're responding to each individual situation and how you can approach it quite differently. Because the way that one person may perceive a certain situation is perceived very differently from another. So having that change of approach, let's say, allows someone to be highly adaptable and flexible. And I think with everything that had happened last year and still going on, you know, across Mm. Australia is still having that way of thinking to know how to change in how you actually approach different situations because the way you may have been doing things previously is not the same way you would do things potentially, you know, last year or even this year again. Yeah. But you see, that sounds really good. And I love it, right? Adaptability. But we are in really unpredictable times and many times of uncertainty. So how do we do leadership or whatever we're doing in our own world better and be able to actually use this as a lens in which we we start bringing change? Yeah, sure. So how do we do leadership better? It's really understanding self first in knowing how to lead others you know, forward. If someone is not really having a clear understanding in who they are, how they're responding, how they're thinking, how they're overcoming obstacles and challenges, how would they know how to lead others in being able to overcome those same obstacles and challenges? We live in a world of uncertainty and I think the last 12 months of 2020 even going into 2021 is really knowing how to embrace uncertainty and how to take steps forward as a leader in leadership, you know, that space of uncertainty to be able to create that safe environment for others that they're taking forward. Mm. So tell me, how's this played out in your own personal life? Uncertainty. Any of it? Adaptability, uncertainty. Last year for me personally was a great year. I actually moved states before 2020 had occurred. So I had come into a space where moving state, 
not knowing anyone, growing a business from a new place was in a place of uncertainty for me. So having all what had happened with the pandemic and everything and the shift in the economy pushed me forward to be able to be more adaptable and create new things within my business that I had never thought I had created before. So we hear this lot of this thing, you know, across the business world last year about, you know, pivoting your business and going in all different directions. And I think a pivoting is great, but when you actually don't go with one particular way of doing mm. things, it can create a lot of uh, confusion and increase that uncertainty in how someone is to approach something. So for me, I found one way and I stuck with it for the whole of 2020 and my business was quite successful last year, especially in what I specifically do. And now 2021 is another year and thinking and looking at a different approach, how to approach this next 12 months with a different way of thinking moving forward. So that's how I've been able to move forward over the last Mm. 12 months. So what are you thinking in you know the next 12 months how do you think you know we need play out adaptability and what we're doing yeah I think that for me moving forward like I do I run a lot of live training so they're all Mm. face-to-face and with Brisbane and New South Wales that have just gone in lockdown and so forth I've had to make some changes I had a plan in place for the next 12 months and I've had to make some changes and what I found was is that a lot of people get caught up emotionally because of the lack of clarity and direction as they're going. But I think for me it's about chunking this year down into smaller chunks and looking at what can you do each month moving forward rather than looking at yeah. it over a 12-month period, which can get overwhelming for some. So I think looking at smaller pieces of the puzzle will allow someone to be able to manage the direction in where they're going forward within their business, but also helping mm. you know, foreseeing what can potentially happen if they're running a team to know how to be able to address those obstacles and challenges moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And actually that's come up a few times, the whole chunking it down into smaller bite size. And I think it's way easier also to adapt or to be flexible when you can do those shifts, of just those little tiny shifts rather than the big, huge ones. Absolutely. And, you know, always a good thing when you have that flexibility. It's one of the things I really do teach is that I believe that we need to be building these ecosystems rather than just this is the business model because of this reason that I think that there are times when you don't need to go down that pathway or cannot go down that pathway, but you've got other pathways to choose from. And I think having those bite sizes is one of the ways in which we can do that. So love that. How do you, you know, like if you're thinking in five years time, do you think in five years time, 10 years time, are you, you know, I love to play in a big space and, and I love to think much bigger than where I'm at right now, or otherwise that would kill me to death. That's all I'm doing right now. And are you thinking that way at all? or? Uh, yeah, look, I have big goals. I have, you know, five, ten-year goals and uh, where I want to head. And I have that big picture in the back of my mind, but I also focus on what I'm doing right now to be able to move forward towards that big picture. Especially like January now, we're in a time where people are setting goals, moving forward. Well, that's forward. why I thought it would be a great quick yeah, 
And I actually, I'm doing a, a group training at the moment, a webinar training for mm. magnetizing profit for business owners. And one of those things are for to set goals. And some of them either have no vision and clarity of what that bigger picture mm. looks like. And they're so caught up in the, the number crunches of what's happening in the next yeah. three months. So it's a matter of you know, getting that person to look at the bigger picture. And then there's some that are so looking too far ahead that they're not taking enough action in the now to create mm. what they want. So setting goals and where you're heading is a bit of a, there's a balance between the two. You've got to, you know, have that big picture, but also know what you're actually doing in that small chunk to know how to be able to get there and pave that path in moving forward to that bigger picture. Yeah. Are there some indicators you're going to, be looking for or you use as your sort of indicators to help make better decisions and pathways ahead even in uncertain time yeah absolutely critical thinking is number one because where one critically thinks about something they're not responding reacting emotionally and when a person is not aware of their thinking or how they're responding Decision-making can be impinged upon when they're responding, either when mm. they're angry or they're sad or they're anxious or they're, you know, whatever emotion that might be. So in business specifically, in being able to remove that emotional trigger will allow someone to be able to make a congruent decision that is, you know, empowering not only for themselves but also for the business itself. And that can go with anyone. It's out, even outside of the business world. You know, it, there's a lot of people that have had to either close their businesses or they're working from home. So they've got a change of environment that they're, they're in at the moment. So knowing how to be able to create outcomes would require critical thinking in knowing how to do so. Yeah. So give us an example or a strategy in which we can make, you know, think critical, think better. Yeah. One of the tools that I give my clients is if they're in a moment where they're responding emotionally, they're getting caught up in their own emotions, is to visually dissociate themselves from when they're actually in it. So see themselves sitting or standing wherever they are, like objectively, and what that does is when someone looks at themselves objectively, like visualizing that process, it removes the emotional charge from that specific situation. You can use mm -hmm. this in business, you can use this in relationships, you can use it in any contextual area. So all I get my clients to do is to close their eyes and see themselves seeing, looking at themselves in the picture and waiting for that emotional charge to dissipate and that will allow them to think about things from a critical space rather than thinking it from emotionally. Yeah, I love that. One of the very first things that I did was write this magazine, just a really basic one, and it was the 10 leadership lessons that I learned from having autistic children. And honestly, one of them in particular has been a strategy or technique I have used throughout my work, my own life, and that is this, that, you know, those that are on a spectrum that have autism, when they make a decision, they just want a particular outcome, a result, right? And they don't have emotion involved in that decision. They just are going, I am going for that and I'm not looking left or right, which, by the way, can cause a lot of grief at times. <laughs> uh, but in the other way of it, which was so fascinating, was watching 
the power of not having the emotion in it. And so I always took that in and it's been one of the most strongest and powerful things that I've used with clients is removing that emotion out of it. And, you know, one example was my son and he always, as a young little kid, he always wanted to have the Xbox before we got in the car and he could not. And so he's got autism and so he could not get in that car until he had the Xbox. And one day I said, I said to my family, we are not getting in that car until we have got him in the car and he's not getting the Xbox because I just wanted to see what I could, you know, as a family, as a collective, see how far and how, if we could shift, you know, the whole decision making on that. Do you know what? Four and a half hours later, we gave up. We had, <laughs> we had and everything and we just wanted to get in that car and all we had to do was give him literally three minutes on there because that had been the decision that he had made and there was no emotion in it but he was not moving from that until then and I just thought wow there is so much power when you are that focused and you won't let anything and we threw everything bribes you name it we tried <laughs> everything to get him and he would not waver. And I thought, wow, imagine if we were like that, if we were so determined that we wanted that outcome, no matter what challenges were thrown at us, no matter what other successful things looked that way, shiny objects, and we just did that. And and that has been a really powerful tool to use and continue to use in my work. And Here's the tricky thing. The other day I had a, an amazing conversation on the decision table with a, a fantastic woman doing some work with addictions in Arizona. And this is huge things, you know, like years of probably, if not, and we had that conversation, you know, has it come down from generations? Has, is it environmental challenges that have set it off and things like that? There is a lot of emotion in that. So I get it when there's people who can choose not to have emotion in it. What about the ones that are at, not at that point yet, maybe want to be at that point, but haven't got to that point? What would you say around that? Just to clarify, on emotions, what I'm specifically talking about is someone that feels negative emotions. If someone feels positive emotions and it's empowering, it empowers them to make a decision. So I just wanted to clarify that. If well, someone, well, in that case, in that case, I would be saying it can be used as a driver, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, with your, your son who's um, autistic, how you said he just goes for it and just makes the decision. That's a really great example in how someone can remove the actual negative emotions, but they've got the drive to move forward, the motivation to move forward. And, you know, the average person who go, does make decisions like that will feel good about it. They have that gut feeling and they know that it's right and it feels good and that's an empowering decision when a person makes a decision. So I think for the average person that does experience these emotions, it's a matter of um, you mentioned about you know what happens to us in our families and so forth and a lot of it comes from programming from our parents, our environments as we grow up and that has an influence in how we actually go about making decisions and how we respond and how we think and so forth. So I think 
the biggest thing someone can do is really understanding who they are and how they think to know how to change how they how they can respond and how they're thinking and a great exercise that uh, i suggest to people is to do journaling because mm-hmm. it allows someone to put a pen to paper and really discover more things about who they are and where they can make changes within themselves to improve uh, their own performance and um you know, making much, uh, making better quality decisions moving forward. So if we pull this back into the lens of the need for a new approach to leadership and we're, we're looking through the lens of going, hey, if we are better, then that's going to have that ripple effect, the domino effect. How do we do that? What are some of the areas in which has been kind of old school leadership thinking and we can do the new improved sort of version of it. Yeah, amazing. So what a person can do in a leadership position is understand what limitations they're running themselves. What happens is, is most people will lead and project based on their own limitations mm-hmm. and then people will respond and trigger those limitations and then it creates conflict within a, a, a leadership group. So understanding what limitations the person has and addressing those and then knowing each individual who they're leading as an individual and how to communicate to each individual person in a way that connects to them and empowers them to move forward. A leader isn't about just telling people what they do. It's about empowering the individual to move forward on their own accord and to take action and to essentially for them to rise up and become a leader and, you know, and help another group of people moving forward as well. Mm. But, you, you know, you mentioned something that I've brought up so many times. I believe that old school leadership is very much the telling leadership, that it was like you had three principles and if you put these three principles into place, then it is going to be all merry and you're going to be the f- most fantastic ever leader and we'll all live happily ever after. And I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a few global challenges, economic social, environmental, and so I'm thinking some of the leadership isn't working and some of that hasn't isn't going to keep working going forward. So it's easy to keep doing what we know. It's not so easy to want to shift, you know, gears and, and do something that is unknown and to change. You know, there's a lot of things that we know works to a degree. And so it's almost, even though we know in a lot of cases, there's an awareness around the need for change or the thought that maybe some change could help or we need to see something happen. But then it gets to back to the point, well, my default system goes back to what I know, which is actually not necessarily the best thing. Do you know, I don't know if you're seeing that, but I know that I get to see that a lot of people defaulting back to what they know rather than wanting to even start creating an awareness around what could be part of that change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that came up is people's values shift 
during different mm. different times. And the one, the biggest thing that can influence someone's values is the environment. And a lot, and what happens is, is you mentioned how people regress back, right? Mm. What happens is, is when people have moved forward and they've created change within themselves, but under stress, when the environment, you know, puts them under stress, they actually regress backwards to the last, you know, level of thinking that they've been operating, which is what their default mode is. And we've seen this across the world where people will start to awaken and then they start to push back. Mm. But the push back in some individuals can be quite aggressive, quite violent and quite forceful. Whereas if we look at how are they leading, are they leading and empowering other people to take action that can help others as well? Or are they just um, creating more conflict and more aggression? And how is that contributing to the world at the moment? Yeah. No, I like that. You say an interesting thing. You said the biggest. Tell me more about that. Why do you see it as the biggest? I think there's many variables. Why do you say biggest? What was it we were just saying? My brain just went lost on that because I was like, that was kind of like a moment where I go, okay, do I agree? Do I not? I'm not sure because I'm not sure where you're coming from on that one, right? And that was, so tell me about that. Yeah, um, so we were talking about values. Yes. Okay. What happens is, let me give you an example. Right? Oh, the environment I, being the biggest. Yeah. What it was. Yeah. So I have a cup of coffee. Yeah. The values is the, what's inside the, the container, right? And that's what people are thinking. That's what they're operating. The cup itself is the person itself, and the outside is the environment. People go through life, if the environment stays the same, the coffee will stay the same temperature, the same, you know, consistency the entire time. But let's say something happens in the world, like a pandemic, and Mm -hmm. I put the cup in the freezer. Yes. What happens to the content inside the actual container itself? It changes. It freezes. Mm -hmm. It's the same content, right, but it's Mm -hmm. changed because of the environment. So what's happened now is is that there's been a massive global shift in the environment for each individual being the container and it's created a change in the values, what they classify what's most important to them, which is now what they're doing in taking action and what's motivating them and what's causing them to make decisions because there's been a change in the environment. It's not the person itself. It's the environment that influences what's happening inside the person's head. Okay, so what if I change massively but my environment doesn't? Does the environment support the person that's changed? Well, in some cases, no, right, because people stay in the same environment, but they change. What makes it harder is if they have changed so dramatically or drastically compared to their environment, then it makes it difficult, right? It makes it difficult because, you know, it might be a harder journey to keep doing what they're meant to be doing or feel like that that's important to them now or their values. And that's why often if you stay in the same environment, it will you know, often default back to to how you operated last. But that doesn't mean that you definitely do because I have seen many that have stayed in environments and it's amazing what they've achieved or where they've gone to, right? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if a person stays in their environment and the environment doesn't support the change, either Mm. the person will change the environment that they're in 
to make sure that it does support them or they end up leaving that environment to create a new environment that supports them as an individual. So that's what happens if you were to stay in that specific environment. Yeah, so the environment must support the person in doing those behaviours. If it doesn't, they'll regress back to what they were previously doing to be able to adapt to that specific environment. Mm. I always talk about curating moments in environments, right? Like that to me is such an important part of being able to make and and part of what I think is the need for a new approach is this focus using that as a lens. How will you do that going forward? Like how are you going to be curating a better environment for you to be a better leader? Okay, curating a better environment to be a better leader. What I'm, what I've been focusing on is what I'm doing myself and what's happening in my environment and how I'm responding to those particular things, how I'm creating and connecting with each individual person. Um, mm-hmm. Because the person that I've, say, for example, I've connected with previously may have a different hat on in how they're thinking and responding in the now because there's been a lot of changes that has happening. So it's not about what am I doing? It's about how am I connecting and communicating to that individual um, to be able to maintain and keep those relationships going because each person changes over time, you know, especially with you know, mm. what's happened over the last 12 months. So communication is key. You communicate to how the other person likes to be communicated, not how you like to be communicated in order, especially as a leader, right? If you're leading a team, leading people, it's about them. It's not about you. So, and that's how I see moving forward. And I see that a lot in my trainings when I've got students that come in and they're wanting to create change, they're wanting to grow their businesses and it's it's about them and how I can support them as an individual in getting them to where they want to be in their outcome. And that's with anyone. Like when you go to networking, when you speak to the person at the coffee shop, how can you contribute into their world their model of the world and leave a a positive imprint on them so as they can go move forward and do the same for others as well. And I think that's, for me, that's about creating a global impact without necessarily doing huge changes to that specific person. Okay, talk to me more about that. What do you mean by a global impact? Well, global impact is helping, empowering others to make empowering decisions. So whether that be speaking to the person at the coffee shop and talking to them about who they are, what their business is or what they did on the weekend and for me, I'm all about, you know, NLP, so it's about neuro-linguistic programming, so it's about language and how to use linguistics to be able to empower the individual. So they may have not have thought about something previously that they've thought about by being able to contribute in a way that widens their scope of thinking. Um, for me, that's about creating impact on the planet. I know that I've created a, a small amount of change that's big enough for them to go out and actually do something differently that can potentially empower someone else. Yeah, I love that. By the way, I'm all into the global impact, absolutely. It's a huge part of my world. Um, interesting enough, though, like a lot of people want to make impact and I think it goes back to what you earlier said around making it, you know, I as I said before, like there's a lot of global if we look at on the global stage of problems, there's like 
you know, the where where the world is at economically right now with what has happened across the world, where the environment, what the pressures we're putting on it to what is actually needed as output kind of thing. What's another one? The social, like the fact that all of a sudden we're being isolated in our own little bubbles and we're not being pushed out into maybe different thinkings and benefits of being involved in different cultures alone you know just as some little little filters and things like that here's the thing often people think well that's now getting bigger and bigger and the gap from problem to solution is actually widening and I think it goes back to what you earlier said that we have to keep shifting things forward but just where it was kind of you could make bigger leaps at some stages now to keep impacting not just in your own little individual world but across the globe it's actually those have become smaller increments we can still shift it forward but I think that part of what we need to look at is going how can we just keep shifting it forward and and part of that is these kind of conversations where I believe that we're not always going to agree at the table and it's uncomfortable and there's, if we are to have different distinctions, I call it not diversity at the table, then for us to bring distinctions to the table, we have to be more comfortable to be uncomfortable. So how do you see this playing out more in the work that you're gonna you're doing this year? Yeah, absolutely. I love how you said, you know, bring diversity to the table because it's better to have a table of different people and to have a table of all the same way of thinking because you're going to be stuck in the same place the entire time because there are, there's only one way of thinking. I think, um, you know, moving forward is about how can I look at things differently, approach things differently, you know, having that flexibility yeah. and adaptability as I mentioned earlier and moving forward, knowing how to be able to have options, create options for oneself in how they can actually approach things differently. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is people will move forward, especially last year, with one specific way, but what happens if that doesn't work out? What are mm -hmm. you going to do differently? How else are you going to approach things differently? Because sometimes there's no one straight line to get to that outcome. You may have to deviate and things that has to play in in order to create that change or to create that outcome. So what asking yourself what other options, what would happen if that wasn't to happen? So flexibility is key but not just as in individual in terms mm -hmm. of thinking and how someone can approach a specific outcome. I think that is the biggest thing someone can get out of, of what has happened over the last 12 months with the pandemic is there's always going to be uncertainty but it's about how you actually approach it with confidence yes. and with certainty within yourself knowing that you can create an outcome and a solution even though the perception of uncertainty is occurring at the moment. Mm. So what about you? How do you cope when everyone thinks really differently? Because you're pretty certain on the way that you think. You're pretty, you've got strategies that have worked well for you. You know it works for your clients. What if you were coming to the table and everyone was having very, very different conversations? How do you manage that, work with it rather than against it? Have you got thoughts on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Conversations, everyone has a specific outcome. The highest intention or the highest purpose of what each individual wants, what you would find Mm -hmm. is if you chunk high enough, everyone wants the same thing. Everyone wants the same outcome. It's just a matter of knowing what that is and how to communicate that effectively. So by having those open conversations with each individual and actively listening in terms of what they want, and what they want to achieve, but asking them, okay, well, what's the highest intention or purpose if you have wanting that? And they'll tell you. And it could be, you know, at the moment to be able to create, you know, certainty and leadership, say. But each individual perceives the outcome very differently and they may language it in a way that, you know, that sounds different. So mm-hmm. knowing what on the table what each like what's the highest intention of what everyone wants allows you to come to a bigger conclusion where everyone can agree moving forward yeah so I find that interesting and fascinating because I totally agree with you when there's a smaller table I think of what something that I put on last year and that was called the global human intelligence forum and you know we had over 70 leaders coming in and out throughout the three days and uh, from across the globe with many different values, many different beliefs, many different thinkings and and at different stages in their lives as well. And it was at the most pivotal time of racial tension across the globe where many didn't want to be saying things because they were afraid of what was to be said or not said. So in the smaller group, I agree with you in the way that you're saying that. In the bigger group, what was powerful about the Global Human and Intelligence Forum, and someone said this to me the other day, was was that the openness of the conversation right from those that keynoted to then I had conversations just like we're doing now with that keynoter and then we opened it up as an open forum to have conversation and anyone could ask anything and in that case you don't know what's going to be said who's where they're coming from with that question whatever it is it was the most beautiful three days of my life I have to say because and everyone knew that it was a no judgment zone Now, one of the things someone said to me the other day was most of those people were people that have been in my world that I love and adore from so many walks of life. There were others in there, of course, that were sold into it that came that I didn't know. But if we are to open it to these open forums, right, where it is about a bigger bigger group, understanding where people are coming from right from the get-go is really difficult because we want to give them voices and we want to we want to be more open in that and so yeah what do you think when when you hear something like this yeah sure so you know with what you just explained in terms of an open forum where there's a big Mm. group of people or even you know much bigger than that I think the one thing that people seek in order to freely speak about how what they're thinking and how they're feeling is creating uh, an environment that's they're going to feel safe to be able to share and knowing that each individual may listen to them or may not but will respect their perspective and their point of view and how they view you know what's happening in their in their world 
So by being able to just simply actively listen to what they're saying and maybe ask questions about why is that important to you or how do you see things moving, you know, differently to understand how they think because each person's perception is very different to everyone else. There's no one that has ever has the same uh, perception in how they view things. So I think the key here is respecting what they're saying but also asking more questions to find out how how they're, you know, how they're thinking in order to get more clarity in what, how they've made that conclusion of what they've said. How do you listen better? Yep. So I ask questions because I want more information because then I understand how they're thinking, what's important to them, and also are they, uh, what drives them, what's their motivators. So Active listening for me is simply just listening to the person explain how they're feeling and then asking them, how is that important to you or what would happen if you did this? Instead of intervening with a conversation, I always simply ask questions to be able to get more information. That's what if thing. you really hated what was being said at the table? Yep. <laughs> well, this um, is reality, right? I, this is this conversation is real and raw because these are the things that I think it's easy to know these concepts, to live them, to do them, and to change it as a new approach to leadership. It's a whole different ball game, and so this is why I go. Well, if you really hated what was being said at that table, and you needed to listen. What does that look like for you? For me, it would be, okay, I don't agree, but I'm just going to listen. I'm going to respect that person's mm-hmm. view. I'm going to allow them to speak because at the moment people are being uh, suppressed in not being yeah, able to express what they think and how they feel and not that this is what's causing a lot of kickback in society, mm-hmm. especially having to wear masks and all of this stuff. So by respecting that space and allowing them to have that at that time, even though I may not agree, the only question I would ask that person is what is the highest intention of you or the purpose of you having this? And what that does, it chunks higher from where they're bogged down into all the detail to really understand what is the initial driver that's causing them to wanting to have that perception so for example you know if it's you know vaccines this is Mm. one of the things that it's being spoken about you know in society at the moment some people are for the vaccine some people are against and Mm. there you want to know what is the highest intention for them getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine and it may be to be able to create you know a healthier planet or Mm -hmm. to prevent illness and it may be the same for both parties but understanding that that each person has their own judgment in what they want and respecting that for that time and allowing them to be able to speak will create a place where people can feel safe and open to share their perspective without any sort of aggression or kickback from anyone else. Yeah. So do you see anything stopping others being able to do that? Because if I think of that, one of the things that I would see that potentially could be a stopper is if I associate with those sort of people at my table, then people are going to think I do agree with them or that that's the way I do it and I don't want to be known for that. So if you associate with people that disagree with you, 
Well, maybe they're into, and I had this conversation with someone else. By the way, this is not the way I think. But And I was so shocked by it, but I understood it. And that was, they said, but I don't want people with, like that at my table, literally, because if they are, then people are going to think that I believe that or that what they're into is what I'm into. And, and, I, and I thought that was a really interesting thinking. Well, let me ask you this. How do you know? How do you know? What do you mean by that question? How, how would this person know that other people would perceive them that way? And if they did? Yeah, so it's a perceived thought that they're thinking. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, like I said to you, it's better to have a diverse, like you said earlier, better to have a diverse table than to have a table of everyone that thinks the same. And so, I totally agree and I'd like to add yeah, this yeah. has not been the norm in the past, right? That's so, right, yeah. So, again, how do we shift this to going, hey, this is not just okay, this is so much more value, benefit, et cetera, et cetera. To be able to clearly articulate that we're actually allowing different perspectives to come yeah. together to create a bigger picture in knowing how to move forward. So diversity on a table, absolutely. And also being true to oneself in how what their beliefs are. So if someone sits at a table and they disagree and they're with other people that disagree with them, they know what they believe, they know what their values are, they know what they want, but they're also open to what other people think and also curious in how they're thinking. I think curiosity is the biggest thing that you can have on a table with diversity because we always want to understand how people are thinking and what's causing them to think that way, whether they agree with you or not. But it's about creating a space of no judgment, respect, and allowing them to freely speak how they're feeling but also being curious as to how they're actually thinking that way. And by the way, that was one of the things that came out of our conversation really strongly a few days ago when we said that that is part of the need for a new approach is to have curiosity conversations. Yeah. And uh, so I love that you brought that point back up again. So good. Okay, so here's the thing, though. I believe that there's some a few fundamentals to leadership to use as lenses, and part of that is leadership awareness, which we've spoken around, Leadership ownership. So, you know, once you've become aware of what it is, because we don't know what we don't know, but when we do, I believe this need for us to take responsibility. Own what does that look like for me? What am I going to take with that? What am I going to roll with that? And then that brings the change. And then looking through always through sustainability. In other words, not just this generation, but the generations and the generation to come, right? From our conversation today, what is it that you've taken or thought about or going to do differently just one thing or that you've yeah got from this conversation um fantastic i've loved it all today the one thing that really stood out for me is diversity at the table so I really loved our discussion around that. But uh, obviously I look at it from a business context, but you brought it into my awareness in terms of a global mm. perspective and how to be able to step into that being another year of, you know, what's happening in the, on the planet at the moment. So I think for me it's not about what's happening in the now, it's about what's yeah. happening in the actual world right now that we can contribute and create change rather than, you know, in our community or even though we can create 
these small increments of, you know, change, but how is that impacting on a global scale? Yeah, love that. Okay, and if someone wants to come along on that journey on how you're impacting across the globe and in your own individual and with your world, how do they get best hold of you? Yeah, sure. So they can connect with me on Facebook, which is Maria Van Vickles or The Conscious CEO, or they can uh, jump onto to my website, which is mariavanvickles.com and have a look through there and book a call with me and so forth. I love that. So my one thing that I've got from this conversation is the reminder of the emotional decisions. And I think it's something I've I used to be very, very intentional and it's just kind of part of my decision DNA, but I want to bring it more into my work today going, what am I still bringing emotion into some of the decisions that I'm making today and what do I need to leave behind with that emotion and use the emotion that I have to keep driving. I I mean, I live by drivers. I believe every vision, every initiative I have, I do a pattern around it called the decision DNA culture pattern. So every literally every initiative every company every enterprise i do it has four drivers that drive those four pillars that hold that vision so it's a huge part of what my work is so but i i think it's always good to keep going back to that and understanding hey was I a bit more emotional when I was trying to think that way or is this not working this way because there's too much emotion involved in it? So I'm loving that piece, a reminder of that and the power of, you know, how we make our decisions in that way. Is there anything else that you really want to leave people with when it comes to the new approach to leadership or thoughts around that? Yeah, sure. Self-awareness. Self-awareness is key. Knowing what you're thinking, what you're saying to yourself, also determine what behaviours you're actually producing. So self-awareness is key. Know yourself first in order to be able to help other people uh, and lead them moving forward. Yep. So give us some a strategy or a few things around how we can do that better. Yeah, sure. So if you get caught up in negative self-talk, someone if you're finding yourself beating yourself up or feeling, you know, a certain emotion, ask yourself, okay, what am I saying to myself right now that's causing me to feel this way? Because the biggest conversations that we have are the conversations that we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in order to change how we're behaving is to change the conversations that we're having with ourselves. And ex- exercise to do that is to just write down what you're thinking, what you're saying to yourself, to so get it pen to paper, to get it out of your head then ask yourself, okay, what can I say to myself differently that's more empowering for me to create different behaviours moving forward? Mm, Love that. What about you? Do you ever have that voice of doubt or have you got this all sorted and nailed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all human, so... Good. I know, that's what I wanted to hear. (laughs) I wanted to know there was a sister out there that had to deal with this. You know, I just think, you know, I I love that and I also want people to realize that at every level, I believe there's this, this need to stretch to a different capacity and sometimes that means that where I used to be able to, you know, make a decision that way and create this awareness and be really confident in it, I might have to learn to do that even more and so there might be the need to do what you just said even more, right, or again, to just, you know, sometimes I get out 
uh, in those moments, I'll get out my pattern and I'll look at it and I go, yeah, but this is not about me. This is about all the, the lives that get to get changed because I'm willing to step up today and do this. Or this is actually going to help change patterns of where we see these problems occurring and destruction is happening and devastation. But if I get to do this and help others to be able to work these patterns out, guess what? That's not going to happen at the same level that it would have if I don't do this. And I think, you know, just a full circle, you know, there's some of these drivers are just so important. And, you know, it, it's not just, hey, we need this need for a new approach to leadership in the greater field, but it comes back to us being able to go, how can we be better leaders as well? And what does that look like so that we can then give out of much greater and um, more effective leadership, right? So thank you. Thank you for coming on on here and being a part of this and just willing to have a conversation because we, I have heard about you. I have not, you know, actually had a conversation <laughs> uh, before with you. So, you know, I was learning more about you as we had this conversation, your thinking. I can see, you know, you have very particular ways in which you move people forward. And so great frameworks in, in doing that, that really help to, you know, I'm, I'm all into a framework because it gives you something to work within so that you can then give out more of and I think that that's just fascinating you and I both love patterns and know the whole wiring around the brain and the neuro you know it fascinates me and so I'm always interested to ask questions to someone who works in the field that's part of it so thank you for your willingness to step up and to come and be a part of this today and not really even know what you know it's <laughs> this platform let alone really uh you know what you were going to be hit with today so thank you thank you so much thank you for your time yeah you're very welcome and thank you to all the listeners and if you've loved this talk and this conversation today and you want to know more well you know how to get older maria you know how to reach out to me reach out in the comments reach out whatever but the biggest thing i think is that you share these you know if we are to have different conversations if we are to have a new approach to leadership the more people have you know an awareness or create an awareness the more we can have the right conversations and the right people in those you know, at the tables. I call it distinctions because I think diversity actually brings division. You know, if we can look through the lens of humanity as stakeholders at the table, and that's the one thing we have in common at the table, but we bring our distinctions to the table. And I think that the more we can do that, the more we can bring many, many different people with many different distinctions like yourself, Maria, bringing what you brought to the table today, the more we are likely to be able to really work towards shifting it from problem to solution across the world. Um, Nikhil did have, do you have a framework for creating framework? <laughs> well, of course, you would have to say that, Nikhil. Do you want to answer that, Maria, before we leave? Do you have a framework for creating framework? A framework for creating frameworks. I think that was very meta. It would have to be creating a roadmap. A roadmap is like a framework. It is. You've got to create step by step, like a scaffold. It takes one piece at a time. So being able to firstly establish what each piece is within that that framework or that 
that scaffold or that path to be able to create a complete framework. The only way you can know if a framework works is if you actually test it and if it does work, then you go ahead with it. If not, you make changes, modify it and then, you know, constantly refine that framework until you actually achieve a sustainable result. Mm. Perfect. There you go, Nikki. Well, that was Maria's answer and mine is, of course, I have a framework about a framework and that is very much how I create leadership solution pathways and pattern that create these ecosystems with all these pathways, which are really cool and fun. So, but that is for another talk. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to end this broadcast. So thank you so much for being a part of the decision table and being here today thank you amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe ensure you leave an awesome rating and review our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards if you want to further your journey with us then apply to join us at our next leaders movement parlay the link is in the show notes We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.